read out of Matthew 16, 24, if we could stand just to honor his word today. Um, it says in Matthew 16, verse 24, it says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say, say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Amen. Brother McAtee, would you ask the Lord's blessing today? Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So Jesus asks a question. And I was telling you guys that on the way out to Kansas this past summer, um, you know, we were driving 12 to 14 hours each day, my son and I, and we uh, did a lot of sightseeing on the way. But I would have my headphones in and I would be listening. I was listening to a series called questions that Jesus asked. And I was going through each just sermon after sermon on these different questions that Jesus asked. And you know, any time that he asks a question, it's not because he's the one who needs to know the answer. And so he asks a question here, and he said, uh, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There's a question. What is a man profit if he gains everything in the world and he loses his own soul? Have you stopped and thought about that? And I think when Jesus asks a question, I think we should stop and think about what he's asking us, why he is asking us that question. What profit is it? What gain is it? If you've, I mean, maybe you've got uh, millions of dollars, and I don't. Maybe you've got a great job, and, you know, everything's going great for you. Things are just, you're, you know, you've gained the whole world. Um, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? And here's a question that I want to talk to you about today. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul. What would you give in exchange for your soul? So I just, the title of this message, I just put a worthy exchange. A worthy exchange. What would you give in exchange for your soul? So coming after Jesus, if you will come after Jesus, and you do have a choice. There is a cost. He said, if a man will come after me, this is what he has to do. And it's a good idea to look at the cost. 
and to consider the cost. What will it take to follow Jesus, to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? And someone might look at that cost and say, I think it's too much. I don't think I'm willing to pay that price. And you know, the majority of people are not willing to pay the price. Jesus said, few there be. He uses that word few. And so there's times in my life when I thought, you know, that price is too high. I'm not sure I want to give that up. I want to come after Jesus, but I don't want to give certain things up. And so Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, you have to deny yourself. How many of us want to deny ourselves? Anybody want to deny your? I mean, that's a tough thing to deny yourself. As long as I could remember, I never wanted to deny myself. I mean, it comes all the way back to, I mean, I don't remember much when I was a baby. My mom could tell you probably. But I was a fussy baby, right, Mom? Oh, she, uh, maybe I wasn't a fussy baby. <laughs> she said I wasn't too bad. I, I can tell you this, that all the family pictures I looked at when I was little, I never had a smile on my face. I was the grumpy one. But denying myself, I wanted to have what I wanted to have when I wanted to have it. And I didn't want to be denied that. There's always people out there who always get what they want. You ever heard that about those people? That person seems to always get what they want. Right, Melissa? <laughs> they won't have it any other way. I, I'm just messing with Melissa. I'm just... <clears throat> Living for God, I have seen people over the years who were just not willing to deny themselves of certain things. They just had to have it. In fact, I've seen people say, well, if that preacher's not going to allow this certain thing, I'm going to go to find a church that will allow me to do that certain thing. Because that one preacher says I should probably not do that anymore. Or maybe there's some things I should give up. And I'm going to find some place that I could go where I don't have to give those things up. Because there are some things I've learned that if I'm going to live for God, i got to give them up. So, I have learned this recently. In our trip to, um, I, just figuring myself out, in our trip to Las Vegas, I had an allergic reaction to cashews. And I had a, I ate, a, ate a whole bag of cashews. They were so yummy. They were so delicious. I love them. They're really good. But they don't love me. And my body doesn't, it, my body was, you know, saying, hey, this isn't going to work. And I had a pounding headache. And so I started doing research and started finding out that, yeah, you can get headaches. You can have an allergic reaction to cashews. And I thought, well, I'm just not going to be able to eat. I like cashews. I want to be able to eat cashews. But I've been denying them. 
I've been avoiding them since. So eating those cashews just provide a temporary pleasure for a short amount of time. But later on, there was a lot of pain. That's what it's like in this life. The Bible talks about sin. It's the pleasures of sin for a season. We read about in Hebrews chapter 11, right? Uh, talked about Moses. Uh, I think it's Hebrews 11, maybe 24. Does that sound right, Christy? I, I'm not sure. Somewhere around 24, within one or two verses. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. There are pleasures of sin, but they just last for a short amount of time. And that's it. And so I've learned a little bit recently that I have to deny myself because if I don't deny myself those cashews, I'm going to be in a lot of pain in a couple hours. I watched a debate one time between a Christian and someone from the Satanic Church on YouTube. The guy from the Satanic Church was really promoting the idea of living the way that you want to live. Isn't that a great idea? Live any way that you want to live. Do what you want to do. Do what feels right. He said, that's what we do. We don't deny ourselves anything. He made it sound so appealing. And there's a lot of people who live in accordance with that philosophy. Do what you want to do. Live how you want to live. Why would I want to be a Christian? Because Jesus is saying, I've got to deny myself. If I'm going to follow after him, I've got to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow after him. That don't sound like too much fun. So, I don't know if you've discovered that doing the things he would have you to do or not doing the things he doesn't want you to do are for your benefit in the long run. You might not see it right away, but when it is all said and done and you look back, you should be able to say, it wasn't easy, Renessa. And I was so tempted to give up, but, but I'm glad I didn't. His ways are always right, even though they may be difficult. His ways are always right. So he said, deny yourself, take up your cross. And when I think about the cross, I think of death. This is also something I don't want to do. I'm not looking forward to that. It's extremely uncomfortable. It's no fun. To come after Jesus means saying to myself, no to the things I want to do and no to the things that everyone else is doing and it's a lonely place. Sometimes it feels like you're the only one. Everybody else is doing those things and they say, well, why aren't you? Come on, you can come and 
you can do this, but the Lord has called you maybe to spend some time in prayer. Or maybe the Lord has called you to spend some time in his word. Or maybe the Lord has called you to a time of fasting. Or maybe the Lord has called you to a time of memorization of his word and all these other things. And um, your flesh is saying, that's no fun. There's other things that are better. So it's a lonely place. It's the opposite mentality of if, of if it feels good, do it. How can anybody make the decision to follow Jesus? Heartache, pain, trials, tribulation, death or suffering in exchange for the pleasures of this life. Why would anybody do it? And the truth is, not too many do. Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul writes, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He also writes in 5.24 of Galatians, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So, crucified with Christ, not so easy. Following Jesus, there are people who are followers of Jesus. They are the ones who are not always doing their own thing. They've had to deny themselves. They've had to take up their cross. And part of the thing that makes me unpopular as a minister is sometimes I have to encourage people to not, want, to not do what they want to do. Sometimes they come and they say, hey, this is what I want to do, and I say, no, you probably shouldn't do that. How many times have I seen people when I've met with them one-on-one -on -one and they've left so disappointed? And you as a friend, you know, you see your friends or your loved ones and, and you know that them doing this certain thing is only going to cause harm to them. And you try to convince them not to do it. You try to encourage them to do the right thing and all of a sudden, you know, you're not so popular. That's what like being a minister is about. You know, a lot of the prophets in the Old Testament, they didn't survive. A lot of them were killed because people didn't like to hear what the prophet had to say. Sometimes people get angry with me. It's like not allowing that crying baby to have his favorite toy. You know, that baby that just wants something so badly, and you know that to give it to that baby would be harmful, so you can't give it. And you want to, right? You want to make that baby happy, and, but sometimes you have to say no. Everybody, to come to Jesus, to follow after him, must deny themselves and take up their cross. There was this song, and if you guys remember this song by Dan Dean, called I Choose to Be a Christian. Part of the 
the first verse says, I met a man the other day who looked at me and said, so many times I've seen your kind before. He said, you can't do this. You can't do that. You're bound by rules and restrictions. What a dreary life you Christians must observe. Isn't that true? Isn't that what so many people think? So many people think to be a Christian means to deny yourself. There's things that are going to be so much fun that you can no longer do. There's certain friends you're not going to be able to hang out with anymore. What a dreary life it is to be a Christian. A lot of people see it that way. That is the way that I have seen it too. But there is an exchange. There is a reason why I would deny myself. There is a reason why I would take up my cross. And the benefit far outweighs the cost. Have you ever had a, got a good deal on something? And you thought, man. Matthew, how much did you buy your motorcycle for? Was that a good deal? Great deal. But it cost you something, didn't it? It did cost a lot. There was a price. But, you know, some people, they realize there is a cost to certain things. But the benefit far outweighs the cost. I, I've shared this before. I was at youth convention a number of years ago. And it was Ronnie Mullings who was standing up and he was saying, how many, he goes, how many of you guys have been it's a youth convention. It's packed, thousands of people. He said, how many people here have been in church one year or less? And some people stood up. And he said, how many people have been in church five years or less? And a few more people stood up. And then he said, how many have been in church all their lives? And all of a sudden, you just see this huge, I mean, the majority of the people had been raised in church their whole lives. And he said, there is a difference between those who have been raised in church and those who have not been raised in church. He said, sometimes those not raised in church, they get to understand the value before they understand the cost. And those who are raised in church, they understand the cost way before they understand the value. You know, a lot of people, young, my children, all been raised in church. They see the cost. They don't understand the value yet. But somebody that came out of addiction and, and drugs and alcohol, they see the value way before they understand the cost. And when they understand the value, they realize the cost is nothing. They realize the cost is worth it. Because if I get this value, I'm willing to pay any price if I can pay it. So $3,000, Matthew said, that's worth it. I have, that's valuable to me. And so I just see so many young people raised in church, they don't even know what the value is. And I'm, I was raised in church. My dad was a pastor. And I remember people telling me, you have no idea the blessing that you have being raised in church. 
And the truth is, I really didn't know. I had to grow up and make mistakes. I had to grow up and fall on my face and experience sin to realize, yes, I really was blessed. I really was blessed. I remember um, I remember a, a time I was younger, and I wanted to be the world's fastest runner. I really did. I started playing sports, and I remember I was a running back on the football team. And I remember being at school, and they would say, hey, Jim, are you going to get a, get a touchdown for me today? It was be game day, you know? We'd be coming to school with our jerseys on and a tie. And I say, yeah, I'll get, a, I'll get a touchdown for you, no problem. Someone else say, hey, get a touchdown for me. I said, yeah, I'll get a touchdown for you. And so, you know, I'd go out there with confidence because I just knew nobody could catch me. I'd get that football, and I'd run into the end zone. And so one time, the track and field coach, he walks up to me, and he said, Jim, he goes, if you came out for track, he goes, I believe that you would get the county record for the 100-yard dash. I said, okay, I'll come out for track. I'm like, that sounds cool. Go get the record. And so I went out for track, and um, I tied the county record that year. Not really fair, but I really did beat it. But that's a whole other story. And so... um, When I went out for high school, I remember um, I was all about track. I wanted to break all the records that I could break. In my freshman year, I was the fastest runner in El Dorado High School. In fact, in El Dorado County, my freshman year, I was beating all varsity from every high school in this county. I was going to Sacramento, and I was in our league. I was beating all these runners. I was really fast. I was invited to run on the U.S. international track and field team while I was in high school. And I had all these dreams and I had all these goals. But there was a call of God on my life. The Lord had been trying to reach me and I had been fighting against it. And so one year at youth convention, I was 17 years old And um, that particular year, they said, next year, we are going to be doing Bible quizzing on Pentecostal doctrine. And I thought, well, if I'm supposed to be a minister, I probably should know doctrine. And so I decided I was going to do Bible quizzing. And I went out for it, and I loved it. Went to the first tournament. We did really well. And that particular year, my senior year in high school, something changed in my heart. When I realized there was something that was so much more valuable than what I was experiencing and playing football and on the track, and that was getting God's word in my heart. That year, I came out late for track. February was normally the month we would start training and I didn't come out till almost March. And my coach said, what's the matter? Why'd you come out so late? I said, I'm doing Bible quizzing now. 
And he noticed that there was a difference in me. And my love and my affection began to change. There was a change of heart. And so he said, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. That's what he said. And then whosoever will lose, if you will lose your life for Jesus' sake, you will find it. So lose your life for his sake. If you do that, you will find it. At that time, I stopped pursuing being an athletic star. I no longer cared about it. I loved sports, but there was something that was better that I needed to pursue. Maybe what I was doing and what I was thinking was not so popular with the world, but it felt right, and I knew it was the right thing. What profit is it if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? There's the question. Jesus asked the question. We need to be able to answer it. What if you could have what so many desire, wealth, fame, health, long life, all that stuff? Is any of that beneficial if it costs your soul? The word profit it means to be useful, to benefit, advantage, better, prevail, profit. What would you give in exchange? Is there something in this life that you would exchange forever with him for? Is there anything that you would exchange that for? You might say no, but the truth is that most people exchange things in this life for their soul. The Bible's very clear that the majority of everybody will not choose him. Very few people will deny themselves. And he will reward every man according to his works. We talked about this the last couple Tuesday nights when we talked about the judgment seat of Christ and the great uh, white throne judgment, the two judgments we talked about. I think that there will be regrets. I think there will be those who say, I wish I would have denied myself more. I wish I would have taken up the cross daily. I wish I would have followed after him. What will you give in exchange? Made me think of this song. When I think about an exchange, I, that song that says, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm pressed Literally, I'm pressed, but not crushed. Sometimes, living for God, there is a pressing. Persecuted, but not abandoned. I may be persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Blessed beyond the curse, his promise will endure, and his joy is going to be my strength. Though sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes with the morning. I thought about 
there is this thing that my brother-in-law used to do. He used to be on this thing where he was involved with bartering. I don't know if anyone has ever done that. Bartering is an exchange for other goods or services without using money. And there are some people who are not willing to lose certain things in their life that they must lose. They've got to lose if they want what he has to give. There is an exchange that takes place. There's some things you must give up. There's some things you must no longer do. Maybe for some people that price is too high. It's too much. But someday they will come to the realization that the price, the exchange, was really a good price. That exchange, it takes place between us and the Lord because what he has to give to us is so much better than anything we have. I remember this song when I was a teenager. Crystal Lewis would sing it, and it was Beauty for Ashes. Reminded me of that passage in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And then Jesus In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, the one who is our example, he lays down an example for each and every one of us to follow. It says, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. The eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day, is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. The things that he gives. We make choices every day. There's a lot of things we'd rather do instead of what he wants us to do. Did you know he's got a plan for your life? He's got something he wants you to do. And I think that so many times we fight against it. I know this because I fought against it. People would say, are you going to be a A preacher like your dad when I was a little boy? I say, nope, that's not happening. And um, I remember my mom pulling me aside one time saying, why don't you want to be a preacher? And I said, mom, because I'm not good at that. I am not a people person. 
daddy's good with, my dad was good people. I'm not good with people. I'm a rascal. <laughs> you know, my dad could go places and everyone would just love him, you know, and he'd be able to talk to him and share the gospel. That's not me. And uh, she said, what did you want to do when you were little? I said, I wanted to be a fireman. She said, why? And I said, because I wanted to be a hero. I wanted to save people's lives, to pull them out of the fire. She said, what do you think a minister does? Hmm. That's what my mom told me. She was trying to talk me into being a minister. You know, so I fought, about, I fought with it for a long time. But he has a will for your life. And it may not sound like something you want to do. And the cost may be expensive. But in the long run, it's worth it. There are things that you might gain in this life by doing your own thing, but they're just temporary. You know, those pleasures of sin, they're just temporary. You know, the gaining the, of the world, and just temporary. Wealth, temporary. Fame, temporary. You might, by choosing the Lord, suffer some loss. But you know, that loss is just temporary. You might lose your health or friends and family and pleasures of this life but just temporary. But there is a permanent gain, and that's an eternity with Jesus Christ. It's everlasting life. It's no more tears. It's no more sorrow. It's growing in our knowledge of him. It's proclaiming throughout the universe the greatness of our God. And by choosing the world for its temporary pleasures, you will have permanent loss the ability to feel his presence no longer. You would not be able to perceive his love, joy, gladness, peace. I like what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. He said, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he, may, he might trust in the flesh, I more. If anyone here thinks they can brag about some things, I got more things I can brag about than you. That's what Paul's saying. Circumcised the eighth day. Look at, I was circumcised the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, one of the tribes who can claim they did not follow Israel into idolatry when there was a divided kingdom. He said, in Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered. Now, notice that, that word, suffered, is past tense. He said, I have suffered. I've lost some things. 
I have suffered the loss of some things. And you know, when I decided to live for Jesus, I had to deny myself, take up my cross. I had to lose some things. I had to suffer the loss of some things, right? He said, I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. I suffered, but now I count them as dung that I may win Christ. You know, those things, that those refuse, those, that, those worthless items, dung, the things I used to really value and hold in high esteem, I count them as refuse and as waste so that I could win Jesus Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Can I have my daughter come forward? My daughters come forward. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death if by any means, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Spiritual disciplines are challenging, time-consuming. They take away from the things that my flesh wants to do. Prayer, fasting, Bible reading, scripture memorization, even the study of the scriptures taking time to teach Bible studies. Unfortunately, many have made the determination that there are things that are more valuable to them than the benefits of the spiritual disciplines in your life. When you make a determination that you want to live for God, that means not doing some things. It means setting some things aside. It means consecrating and giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, doing those things don't make you better than anybody else. Getting into reading your Bible, getting into prayer, into, into fasting, it doesn't make you more spiritual than anybody else but it does have a way of maybe denying that flesh so I can receive from the Lord what he has for me that my flesh is contrary to. My flesh has been in the way of receiving some of these things and I need to receive what the Lord has for me. We start out on this Christian life thinking of all the benefits in the end. But many don't consider the cost to see if they have what it takes. Maybe there's some things you don't want to give up. Maybe there's some things that are holding you back from receiving what the Lord has for you. Is that the thing that you're willing to give in exchange for your soul? Is there anything that is more valuable than what he has to give? Most have decided not to follow Jesus. But I want to know, is there anybody here today who will say, I have fought against the call of the Lord long enough, and I don't want to do it anymore. 
because the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. And the call goes forward. Are you willing to come to this altar today? Are you willing to consecrate your life to him today? Are you willing to give him your all today? I recognize there are some things I need to give up now. And I've decided that I want to give him my all. Maybe we can sing I Surrender All. Unexpected. I don't know what she was playing. That might have fit too. Amen. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? I preached a message very similar to this a number of years ago, and somebody who was in our church at the time, who's now passed away, she came to me and she said, I don't think there's anything that I would give in exchange for my soul. She's looking for that song. Amen. Let's just worship him. If you would like to come forward and pray today, you can. You can stay where you're at if you'd like. But let's just take some time and let's consecrate if you're willing to. surrender 